We are on record. We are ready to go. Doctors are joining us by the Groves. Love to have you on board. Next time, John promises we're going to have bumper music. Uh, I like that bumper music. I noticed that uh, Gary has a friend with him in the back. Uh, I think he's a little late on payments because all I see is the skeletal remains. <laughs> we, we're, we're doing something a little bit different today, which I really like a lot. Uh, this is a half an hour program only. It's, it's really de designed for only doctors of chiropractic and, you know, the real guts and basic uh, issues that we have in personal injury cases. Something you can take and use immediately after this broadcast. And it is going to be recorded and you will find it on our website, johnsteel.com for free and for fun. And you can listen to it uh, on, on the radio, on, on your way to work, on, on your way to home. Uh, Gary is one of my favorite people because he uh, loves the uh, science of personal injury. He's, he's, he's made it into a series of metrics and forms and approaches that's easy to understand that really helps discipline the chiropractor in affecting a smart personal injury presentation. I'm expecting everybody here is a great treater. I'm expecting you get good outcomes. I'm expecting that you love chiropractic and you know how to adjust. The other side is running the business of personal injury, and you got to know what you're doing. You got to know what the insurance companies need to eat. You got to feed it what it needs. And that requires systematic documentation, smart and effective uh, approaches. But today we're focusing on the dark side of personal injury nasty things insurance companies and defense attorneys do. And that's Gary's subject. Gary is constantly watching and looking to see what insurance companies are doing to us and against us. Uh, we picked three subjects that we hope to have enough time for, and I'm going to invite you to email me, Sean Steele at seansteele.com, for any question you might have. Unlike our other uh, approach, when we did the strictly on the telephone, uh, you won't be able to call in and give us a question. At least we haven't figured out that technology yet. We'll, we'll get it done soon enough. But we only have 30 minutes. And uh, Gary, not everybody knows you, and they should. Can you tell us a couple of minutes uh, about yourself, who you are, where you practice, what you do, uh, and then uh, let's talk about the immediate new thing that defense lawyers are doing to basically screw with doctors and chiropractic. I have sort of heard of it, but I haven't heard of it in the detail you just told me. So who are you? Well, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Um, I've known you for a long time. always been impressed. I, and I always love interacting with you in any way I can. I've been a chiropractor for over 37 years. Uh, same location in San Marcos, California, about uh, 40 uh, minutes north of uh, San Diego. Uh, my specialty is PI. 90% of my practice is personal injury. And I love giving back to the profession. I write the PI review, goes out to a bunch of attorneys. I'm always answering questions. I was a CCA's PI chairperson for 18 years. I've written a number of uh, publications, actually over 300 articles I've written on PI, on Whiplash. And today, um, I'd like to focus first on the latest ploy I've seen across Orange County and San Diego. And I get, and I know about this because uh, attorneys and chiropractors contact me regularly. They have questions, or they're concerned about what's going on. And the latest ploy I found is a kind of a big one, and I can, I'm surprised it hasn't surfaced before in a bigger way because it's very devastating. And it concerns uh, what doctors do when they uh, render essentially unfounded opinions on future chiropractic care. So what's going on here is uh, doctors, uh, as part of the normal reports, um, and in many of their PI cases, once a person reaches MMI, 
they're, ra they're racing to get the report out because they want to get the case settled, get it through the attorney. What they do is they'll uh, include in their report a summation of what the future chiropractic care is likely to be. And what opinion they typically uh, back it with, usually 90% of the time it's based upon my experience. And that is really not a great way to uh, be founding your opinion because they can find an expert with twice as many years of practice coming in so based upon his extensive years of experience in PI. He believes you're totally off base and these numbers you picked for future chiropractic care are essentially just pulled out of your backside with no real support. And there isn't a lot of support. And I like to talk about today is how you structure your future chiropractic care in such a way that this does not happen to you. Because once they destroy your credibility in one area, it carries over to your credibility in, in all the other areas of the case because your credibility, your opinions are based upon more likely than not, a 51% probability that you're, in terms of certainty of your opinion on a given issue. But if they destroy you heavily in one area, it certainly carries over across the board. And what we've seen happen, doctors oftentimes are so devastated in a deposition by the intense inquiry here, they do not want to go to court. Or they bring it up, because if they go to court, and it's brought up in court, they're suddenly on the defensive. And when the doctor's on the defensive, they do not look as though they're telling the truth. They don't look as if they're comfortable. And the juries pick on, they may not understand 50% of what you say, but they'll pick up on your characteristics. If you're not honest, you're not credible. A couple of things Gary, you're raising so many issues. The depositions are the most important milestone in most personal injury cases, especially when you go to the expert. And if the expert fails you, Immediately, the case value is reduced. Uh, sometimes the case settles for much less than you want. Uh, and these are things you may not even be aware of. Uh, we, you know, we, we count on our experts to really prove up the case. And if it turns out the expert loses credibility, that's why a lot of people are, you know, looking to the expert's background on both sides. Uh, we talk to other attorneys. Have you deposed this particular doctor? Uh, where's his weakness? And so there's a common thread of knowledge among plaintiff attorneys and also defense attorneys about the weaknesses and the strengths of particular experts. So this is a new device by attacking a chiropractor at the end of the case. In other words, if he comes across with a unsupported recommendation for future care, then he'll just chip away at all the, you know, suddenly your, progno your prognosis doesn't look so good. Your, 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 uh, uh, your examination findings may not be that credible. Uh, maybe the treatment protocols you were following. So they just chip away at your credibility and the doctor gets flustered. But here's what I wanted to point out, what Gary inspired me to do. Look at us, we're on, we're on video. Most of the expert depositions are on video. So it used to be, you could say nothing and the court reporter would say nothing and you would know there's a gap in time. We love doing videos. It's a little expensive in every single case, because it keeps the person honest. And if they're staring into the space, if they don't know what they're doing, if they're kind of confused, uh, if they're embarrassed, you can see it, the jury can see it. Or if you're lying, the jury can see it. So it, this even becomes more prominent. Gary, just go back into this future medical care, because as a lawyer, I want it. I want something. So give yeah, me a smart, uh, give me a smart one, but you know, we don't want to say something that this person needs chiropractic care three times a week forever. Okay, let me fill this in just a little bit, flesh it out a bit. Attorneys are usually in a hurry to get the case when it's done treating, when a, the patient has reached maximum medical improvement. 
essentially meaning they're not going to get better, not going to get worse in the foreseeable future. That's when the attorney says, okay, send me all the records. Let's roll with this thing. But it, I will tell you it is impossible at that point when, when they're released from MMI to non-scheduled care, at that point they should only be seen for flare-ups of their condition. That's when you're seeing they can do their home therapy, they can treat themselves at home, but when it exceeds their symptoms, exacerbate and exceeds their ability to handle home therapy alone, that's when they come in for additional care. And that's when we give them the form. And I'll make all these forms available to John. Anyone that wants them can contact me. About a half dozen forms they'll get if they want it, want it via John that I talk about. So they have instructions that release to non-chemical care. They're at MMI. They only come in for flare-ups. When they do come in, at that point, they fill out a flare-up because you want to make sure it doesn't look like a new injury. You document it thoroughly. So what you do need, though, in order to use what's called in – in statistics is extrapolation method, extrapolation. What you're going to look for is your post-MMI treatment over a period of time, usually at least three to four months after they reach MMI, and see what type of flare-ups they're having during that period, if any. If they don't have them in three, four, five months, probably they're good to go. You can say they'll need future care with some degree of assurance. However, say they have a couple flare-ups during a four-month period, and it took uh, five total visits to correct it over four months. Well, now you have some basis, a rational basis, for extrapolating about the need for future chiropractic care. So say it was over four months, they needed four visits. Over a year's time, that would be three times that. You could say four times three is 12 visits. Multiply that by the average cost for care and periodic re-exam. And you have some rational basis that is duplicable by other people. It's reproducible. And you can show exactly how you arrived at the numbers you're throwing out there. They're not just picking out the numbers out of your backside. These are rationally based extrapolations. I have not found a better method. I've, I've been deposed on this many times. And I've always challenged a person to pose me in court, show me a better method for arriving at future chiropractic care and I will use it. And no one's given me a better method. And that's what I always throw back at them. Show me a better method. You want an answer on this subject. It should apply in a lot of cases, but we need a rational basis for arriving at it. And I have a form that goes through this. It explains step-by-step step what's going on. The doctor puts in the numbers, shows you exactly what to do. You sign it, date it, and that's what you provide to the attorney. Now, oftentimes, the attorneys don't want to wait. And I say, if they don't want to wait for that, it's time to sit down at lunch and go over things with them. <coughs> you know, it doesn't cost you much to go to lunch. Even attorneys need to eat, and they love a free meal. And you sit down and you talk with them about what's going on and why it's in their best interest to wait. So not only do you get a rational estimate about future chiropractic care, as the case goes on three, four months like that, if they do have flare-ups, that adds to the cost of the case, and it gives pressure on the defense to say, well, you know, the costs are going up here because of flare-ups. There's a reason to want to settle the case at that point, to try and settle, try to be fairer, because they see increasing costs due to flare-ups. Because next thing, if the flare-ups aren't resolving, pain management slips in. Now you're talking about two, three thousand dollars more. Gary, you nailed it. Flare-ups, if they're documented as a flare-up, and, and it requires basically a mini examination. You know, what happened? What were the circumstances? What's the pain level? It, it went from three to six or three to seven. Uh, it's it's an extended part of the, uh, of the personal injury case. They're showing some kind of a weakness of the overall person structure, which may require some kind of medical intervention, which is not what the insurance company wants to hear. They want to hear that it's a simple case, simple injuries, no complications. 
you start putting in hard evidence about complications, uh, now you, you know inevitably the patient's going to go and get much more expensive medical care, and the insurance companies don't want that. Uh, yeah, let me give you an example. Uh, I want to tackle this with, with two questions, Gary. If you do a, a future prognosis, a future um, care, something along the line saying, and it's my professional opinion, the patient will need ongoing chiropractic care for the next six months, three times a week um, until uh, the prognosis can, you know, until, until, until they reach maximum chiropractic uh, care. What's wrong with that? Well, first of all, that wouldn't be future chiropractic care. Future chiropractic care kicks in at the time after they reach maximum medical improvement. And if they're at three times a week, they're still under active care, that would hardly qualify for what we're talking about here. Okay. We're talking about those flare-ups that occur post-MMI that the patient cannot resolve with their home therapy alone and require additional professional care. That's what we're talking about. And that's where the flare-up comes in. Flare-ups both during the active phase of care and at non-scheduled care are some of the most valuable things the doctor should have in his folder on the patient. Because a lot of flare-ups during the recovery before MMI show that it's a typical case. This is not a typical injury. There are multiple flare-ups in relatively non-demanding endeavors. Flare-ups post-MMI, if they're well-documented, provide the substantive force you need for documenting future chiropractic care. So all the way around, I totally agree with you. The documentation of flare-ups is so critical to PI cases. But you don't recommend that we do something brazen like just simply arbitrarily saying, you know, this patient uh, is much better now. Uh, they've reached, uh, I call it MCI, maximum chiropractic improvement or maximum chiropractic uh, improvement care. Uh, but in my opinion, it would be helpful for the patient to continue seeing chiropractic for the next 12 months, one time a month. Is that objectionable? Yes, I would. I could destroy that argument in a heartbeat because it's sounding, first of all, like maintenance care. You've established no ground rules for, or rationale for how you arrived at that number. And you could say most of your patients without symptoms, or you may have on once a month maintenance care anyway. So I don't think that's a very strong argument. I think you need a rational basis and via statistics, which I taught at one time, extrapolation is probably one of the best ways to go for future chiropractic care. All right. Now I'm going to jump to another area that, of great concern that has been really uh, bedeviling personal injury. Once in a blue moon, uh, not just, uh, by the way, MDs, it's also chiropractors. I've documented this in the PI email alert. And by the way, if you're not getting the PI email alert, you are one of the few in California that is not getting free, fast, and very interesting PI information for chiropractors. And Lukovich is our mainstay. We, we publish almost everything he writes because it's good, it's quality. Um, he, wrote, he wrote a book. He, he published a book about two or three years ago about his PI forms, and he's now since published another 50 forms. I mean, this guy is just keeps, keeps producing uh, original, good, clean content. One issue that's coming out that's uh, and something we need to be aware of, particularly with our partners, Insurance companies and defense attorneys are buying out medical liens at a steep discount without telling you or the attorney. What that means is we'll send them to an, we'll send them, you'll send them to an MRI facility and the bill is say, let's $2,500. And so the attorney's trying to negotiate the case and trying to get good money for the client and pay your fee. Uh, then he discovers that instead of the bill being $2,500, the insurance company paid, you know, maybe, $800 on a steep discount. 
So no longer is the case worth $2,500 more. It's now worth only $800 more. And that, that reduces the total value of the case. It'll threaten your fee getting paid. Now, that's one, that's very, very popular. We're seeing it all over town. And, and that happened to an MRI facility that I know. And I said, that's it. I will never again send you a patient. If you're going to go and do an in run around me and make a deal with the insurance company to ruin my client's case, you're, you're off my list. So we have to tell them straight up. If they do that, they're no longer allies. They're no longer friends. They're basically cheapening the case and, and, and they, they, they fooled us. But some chiropractors are falling into the trap too. Now, this is a business decision. It's not a moral question, Gary. So I want to ask you this. If a chiropractor's got a bill for $5,000 and Mercury just calls him up, the defense attorneys for Mercury says, hey, look, times are hard. COVID was bad. We'll pay you $2,000 for your $5,000 bill. I don't blame a chiropractor for doing that, but it's cutting your own throat and it really ruins the PI case. Your patient's going to be very unhappy. Uh, but what do you do in a situation like that, Gary? What, what are some of the guidelines? What would, what, what would be your advice? Because that's happening a lot more frequently. Well, just starting at your starting point there where they approach you, I immediately would say, I need to think about this. I would call the attorney involved. I would call the patient involved. I would call the other providers involved and say, hey, this is what they're trying here. Don't fall for the trap. Quick and easy money, steep reduction up front. It screws the case, hurts everybody involved. And next time, guess what? They're going to come back and ask for a steeper reduction because it worked last time. It's not just the insurance companies. There's actually agencies now that that's all they do is find ways to reduce your bill by faxing you, calling you, telling, hey, listen, if you'll, talk, if you'll settle in the next 24 hours, we'll get you this money in 72 hours. We actually have a letter to that effect. It will pay you so quickly. How can you reduce this? And then, you know, a doctor looking at his rent payments or whatever, things might be tight that much, but you really have to look at the bigger picture. What are you doing to the whole case? Just like doctors routinely reduce their bill by a third because that's how the attorneys work in certain areas. Well, the more you do that, the more it screws over everybody, the less the settlements are, and more and more they'll start asking for more and more reductions. So you have to have the big picture orientation and you have to give the information to all the parties involved and make them aware of this. Once people are aware of that, like you just pointed out, the doctor can say, no, no, I know this player. We're not going to do this, okay? We're going to wait a bit longer, get paid the full amount. Everyone's going to be much happier, and you can go find another job. Uh, we saw a company that is actually in the business. They're, they're brokers, and they're basically going to chiropractors. Let us buy your bill. Well, that sounds pretty good, except the trouble is, they're offering 30 to 40% of your bill. They hold on to the paper and then they get paid the full amount when the case settles. I mean, what a racket. I don't think most of us would do that, but sometimes uh, new, new doctors don't understand. Sometimes doctors are in a squeeze and, and, and they're desperate. When that happens, call the attorney, call your patient. It's the ethical thing to do because uh, what you're implying is that you weren't worth that much. You're implying that that if it's $5,000, you're going to take forty. A 60% reduction, it means you're, you're overcharging, intentionally overcharging. So that raises some very serious ethical problems. I do not work with doctors that want to reduce their bills that dramatically, especially behind my back. I just can't. It's, it's just a bad thing for the patients, my reputation, and everything else. John, as a quick corollary to that point, sometimes before the patient even signs on with an attorney, 
the insurance company is calling and it's for some reason they really seem to target hispanic especially if you don't speak the language mm -hmm. well you say listen we'll cover your medical bills to date we'll give you another thousand dollars we'll get you the check by friday and they sign off the settlement the case is over it's a slam dunk it's done so that is the that is the corollary to the same thing to getting people now before they even sign on with an attorney not from the quick settlement forcing that, them to do that is actually an old hat they would go uh this is something that goes back decades uh but i, I remember hearing stories that the adjuster would show up with 500 dollars in cash uh, somebody had have a broken leg said look we're really sorry uh you know this accident is terrible i know you're in a lot of pain Here's a release agreement, but I'm going to give you $500 cash, and they lay it out. And well, it's a real scam. It's a scandal, and it's legal, and it's legal. Uh, and, and and so you've got to be aware of uh, let, letting letting patients know that. Because uh, uh, now the good news is, is the minute the patient hires an attorney, uh, it's illegal for the insurance companies to contact that patient. John and uh, Alex in my office just signed up a very volatile head-on collision drunk driving case of a young woman. And the insurance companies were constantly calling and trying to work deals. And as soon as we took over the case, which was, I think, about 5.30 last night, the call went out to the insurance companies uh, and the patients understood any questions, any concerns from any human being, have them call me. And that, that just cuts off the pressure with the back, with the back end deal. I got one more question for you. Um, uh, Gary, and we don't have a lot of time, only nine minutes, and we do stick to our formula here. We got, we got several hundred doctors that, that are busy, probably eating their uh, pastrami sandwiches right now, looking for a pickle. Uh, that's what we do. We get in, we get out quickly. I, I see a lot of friends on. I get to see uh, a lot of my friends here. Uh, Carlos Castro's on board, David Flores, uh, Don, David Donaldson, great, great people. Uh, Gary, uh, reasonable customary. Old, old problem. Um, let's look at your own practice. What is a reasonable and customary presentation? Uh, it used to be, and, I, and here, here's, here's an addendum. It used to be Beverly Hills doctors are going to charge this much, and doctors in San Pedro would charge less. And it's not that geographical anymore. It's more, it's more, it's, the, the fees are much more uh, on an even basis. Uh, and I think most people accept that. How do you present what's reasonable and customary? Well, we can't really discuss fees, but I can tell no. you that they do question the idea of your charges being reasonable and customary. The best thing I've found, it's usually the third party that's going to do it, okay, because that's they do it all the time routinely because sometimes it works. If it works 10% of the time, they make a lot of money when you're talking about billions of dollars. But what you do have, and any doctor has been in practice for even a year, is going to have explanations of reimbursement from med pay companies. Whenever you bill MedPay, they'll give you back an explanation of reimbursement of what they covered, and you save those because those are documentation gold. Because on there, they'll have all your charges that you build, and they'll show that they paid 100% of all of them. And that's uh, demonstrable proof that your charges are reasonable and customary. That is the single best thing a doctor can do. You have like four or five of those from different companies. You redact the critical information so you're not revealing anything about the patient. You say, hey, Listen, I know you're trying to send a letter back to the insurance company. We disagree with this opinion. Here's why other med pay companies have paid 100% of a bill consistently. Please pay without further delay. And that's all you got to do on those. I completely forgot that. That is true. When you get paid with med pay and they pay your full and reasonable bill, that's your evidence right there. You got another insurance company 
that uh, had a hard look at your bills and they're paying you and you keep that in a special little file. That's a happy file. And every time somebody says, no, 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 every adjuster I've talked with, no exceptions will say, oh, you know, the chiropractor's charging too much, too many visits, you know, like seven visits, <laughs> you know, at a hundred dollars a piece. I mean, silly stuff that, that you can't take seriously. On the other hand, put, build up that file that you have uh, that you're going to be, uh, you know, so, so you have that, you, you have that information. It's a third party source. Those are the best sources they have. Gary, in the last few minutes, uh, what's your next issue? You've got uh, October coming up. You want to give us a sneak preview? Have you been, have you thought about it? I know you must have about, I'm going to guess 25 or 30 ideas that you want to work on, but what's coming up in October? I do have a collection box and I'm always a couple months ahead, but next a month, it's something so many chiropractors would ask me about. I finally took the time to do it. And it's how chiropractors should prepare for a deposition. It's six pages long, all the do's and don'ts and golden rules. I put it, finally condensed it all into one place. It started off as 20 pages. I got it down to six. That's, I that's you work. Can you get okay. a one page form? <laughs> Well, if th this pay, this will be very informative, especially for docs who have never done one, or if mm. docs want to brush up because they go into another deposition, they want to know, stay up to date on what's the latest uh, things they're trying. I put in the trick questions they use, all that stuff. So this will be out uh, October first. I'm going to send it to you, and you'll be you'll be able to distribute it like you always steal my stuff, but you give me credit, so I'm not sure. I, I, I happily give you credit as I, I as I pilfer it right from the right rear uh, wallet. Uh, I do want to mention Sean Steele's rule of three. I only have three rules for depositions. I love them. Doctors, please do them. Don't avoid them. They're pay, they, 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 they pay well. Here are my three rules of Steele. And it's, it's, not the it's not the quality of the testimony, but I'm talking about something more abstract. One, the deposition has to be in your office. Don't travel. Make the son of a bitch travel to you. Now, the son of a bitch that's traveling to you is going to be a junior attorney because senior attorneys don't have time to travel. So they have. To, so you get a junior, you'll probably well have had more depositions than he has. And the fact is that you, know, if your office is, uh, you have a nice chair and he sits on a cardboard box, I don't care. You control the environment. That's number one. Number two, make sure your fees are understood in advance. He's got to pay you. Uh, Gary, how do you charge? I don't want to know what you charge. You've got a lot of experience, but how do you arrange the financial terms? By the hour, two-hour minimum, what's the deal? Uh, well, I do say the first hour, because most of my depositions, because they've done them so much, so often, they get over quickly. If you're in a three or four-hour deposition, something's wrong. There's a problem. There's a big problem if it's three or four hours. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I have been in a seven-hour deposition before. But it was both a malpractice case, I was defense, in, defense uh, uh, chiropractor in the case, it was also a product liability at the same time. But that was a very rare thing. Most cases over an hour. And um, I always tell them up front, I need an, a, a check for the hour for what we're given. If it runs over that amount, then they have to write me the additional check at the time we conclude for the balance. Okay, okay. That's, and I think that's good because they'll always bring a check with them. Yes. And before they start the deposition, they will they'll, they'll write out the check, your name on it, and they'll hand you the check, then the deposition can go forward. The third rule is it's got to be a time consistent with your office. That means they may say they want you to go to downtown on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. You're too busy, and no judge in the world is going to enforce an order like that. You tell them, no, you come to my office in San Marcos, 
we have we have deposition uh, availability times on Thursday afternoon between the hours of one and five. We'd be happy to book you at, at those hours and make sure you bring your check. So you control the time. You're a witness, but you're an expert witness. You're not a lay witness. Don't ever let an insurance company consider you a lay witness. You're an expert. It's in the Code of Civil Procedure. I testified on that myself in the state legislature. So I, I, know, how, I know how that works. So you're going to get paid an expert witness fee. Uh, well, once again, Gary, just a fountain of joy. I'm looking forward to your next issue. We always look forward to it. And uh, one thing, you really get it out on time. I'm not as a, I'm not a time stickler like you are, but I know what's going to happen on the first. And whether it's a holiday or not, I'm going to get a PI. I'm going to get your latest information on PI. Well, doctors, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, we'd like to get your questions anytime. I got two chat questions here. I'm going to read them right now. And uh, yeah, uh, we have one doctor that says, uh, looking forward to uh, to your report. Of course, uh, I will make sure it's available. My buddy, John. John, come on into the screen here. This this good looking chap here is, is going to make sure that you get a copy of it. Um, and and so, so, so that's helpful. Uh, again, there's, there's an endless amount of forms. I've got most of Gary's forms on my website itself, seanstill.com. Look under doctor's resources. It's all there for free and for fun. We want you to become personal injury gladiators. We want you to get paid in full. We want you to enjoy your craft. Uh, there, there, there are so many good opportunities in PIs. So let's strike now while iron's hot. Well, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know if we're going to have even a, a, what kind of a plague we're going to have in 2021, but we got to you know, if we have something good, that personal injury, a lot of car accidents, a lot of people slipping and falling, we have a good tort law in California. Chiropractors do get paid. They ought to get paid. Uh, they should never be taken advantage of. And that's precisely why we have these webinars. Gary, uh, how does anybody get a hold of you if they want more information? Well, they can probably best uh, email me at my last name, Lukovic, L-E-W-K-O-V as in Victor, I-C-H, at Cox, C-O-X dot net. Answer questions every morning when I get here. I'm happy to answer theirs. Well, doctors, happy to hear from anybody. We'll entertain any PI question you have. Do never call us about immigration, contract law, criminal law, uh, forest management law, uh, river law. But we do though. We do love uh, personal injury. We can take it, and we have. We take cases from El Central to Eureka, and that's what we've done in, literally in the last thirty days. So we're a statewide law firm. We don't like insurance companies. We like to beat the hell out of Mercury. And also, uh, just uh, Dr. Lukovic will send me the six pages. And if anybody uh, requests them from me, I'll, I'll, I'll send them to you. That's this guy. All right, guys. Have a good afternoon. This is on video. Uh, it's going to be fun. Gary, really appreciate it. Next month, we're going to have a real-life defense attorney. After that, we're going to have a psychologist. After that, we got a, an insurance company adjuster. After that, I don't know, but uh, John and Alex are putting up together quite a program. So Lukovic is always a strong draw. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Gary. Thank Bye -bye you. Now.